Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Machen Amick, and I played Catherine Beaton on Gossip Girl, a.k.a. The Duchess. Hi, I'm Mina Tobias. The biggest fan of Gossip Girl ever. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source into all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. Hey there, everyone. This is Jessica Zor, and welcome to another episode of XOXO. Today, we're going to mix things up a little bit and do something a little different. We've had this up our sleeve, but I've been reading your suggestions, and many of you asked about a Gossip Girl rewatch. Well, I have some good news. Today, I will be hosting XOXO's first ever rewatch episode. And to kick things off, I have not one, but two incredible guests for you, Machen Amick and her daughter, Mina Tobias. Machen played the scandalous Lady Catherine Beaton on Gossip Girl, and I was lucky enough to work with her again years later on the revival of Twin Peaks. Now she stars on Riverdale on our old friend, The CW. And Mina is an amazing talent as well. She's an actress and a singer. And her and her mom host their very own podcast together as well called Don't Mind Me. Instead of our usual conversation, we're going to break down one episode today and tell you exactly what we think. We'll start with Lady Catherine's very first appearance in the season two premiere, Summer Kind of Wonderful. And if you're listening, you should really really definitely go rewatch the episode before today's podcast because I think it'll just be more fun if it's fresh on your brain. Plus, there's obviously going to be a ton of spoilers. So I'm not responsible if you didn't watch. Just saying. And I couldn't be happier to have these two on because Machen was there, of course. And Mina was 14 at the time. She was a real-life teenager and a fan of the show. So it's really cool to hear her take on everything. Okay, anyways, let's just get into it, right? Summer Kind of Wonderful with Machen Amick and Mina Tobias. Beautiful ladies, and I just can't even with you guys. You guys are the cutest, like, mom and daughter duo. You're beautiful inside and out. What does your family not do? You guys are musicians. She goes to Cornell. You're this amazing actor who has had such a dope career. It's just so awesome. Ah, thank you. Well, I have to say, though, when we first met um, on the Gossip Girl set, though, you really stood out to me as like, she's so nice and down to earth and so welcoming. Like it was great. Cause mm. when you come onto a show and you're a guest star, 
you know, you're a little fish out of water. Everybody else has For this great sure. relationship. You sometimes you come in and you're like, mm, I don't know if they're going to be nice or not. But you were, you just were so warm, and I think we clicked right away. So we did, and I remember that. And I remember shortly after meeting you, we were talking about Mina and Sylvester, your your kids, and. We loved it too because we were there. She's mixed. We had, I think we were talking about our curly hair. (laughs) But right away, and she showed me pictures of you, Mina, and I'm like, what? She's the most beautiful (laughs) child I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, actually, I was 14 at the time, and it was a big deal that my mom was getting the offer to be on the show. So I was like, if you don't do this, we're never talking again. (laughs) I will disown you as my mother. She's absolutely the reason why I did it. And, um, and on the show, I always loved your character and I loved you because you had like my hair and I, I even cut my hair short and like tried to style it like because I, I didn't know what I was doing at 14 with my hair. And I was like, oh, she's mixed. She has my texture. And so it was a very big deal to see you on the show. Aw, that makes me so happy. That's so sweet. It's funny because there's a whole thing about my hair with casting. Like when they first saw my tape. They weren't sure. They thought I looked like the other girls. I looked up Leighton, Blake, and Taylor. I'm like, I don't look like them at all. What do you mean? And I told my manager, I'm like, send pictures of my hair curly. Sometimes they just have to see it. But by the way, your hair looks amazing right now. You could be like (laughs) on an ad. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Is that just naturally air dried? This is Yeah, this is my air dried natural hair, but... This has been a, a long journey of, I, I used to straighten it and chemical straighten it and highlight it and the whole deal. And a lot of that was, I always admired my mom and I was like, oh, I want to have hair like her. So I was like, oh, let me go right. blonde and straighten it. And then it destroyed my curl pattern. So for the past at, at least five years, I've been doing like very little heat and trying to actually get my curls back. So this well, is this is kind great. of new. Thank you. I appreciate it. And David and I were always trying to get her to just embrace her own unique beauty, right? It's so hard to see like, and everybody's always trying to do like the opposite too, but we're like, just embrace your beautiful curls. Not many people have those naturally. And the more you said that, the more I was like, never. I know. She had to like. (laughs) But how was it for you growing up when you were little? Were you good with curly hair? Because my mom, it was similar. She had straight hair. No, I totally let my husband school me. My husband was like, okay, this is the deal with black hair. This is what you okay. do. <laughs> Don't comb it too much. Yeah, you got to let the curls dry. So it was a learning experience for me. Totally. Yeah. My, my mom too. And then she got it. And then I didn't want anyone else to touch my hair because sometimes I'd get to sets and people were like nervous to touch because they you can't brush it a certain way. You can't use certain heats on it. And yeah. even if you're really good at hair, some people that haven't worked with our texture doesn't know that. Yeah. So anyways, absolutely. it's like we're doing a hair podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> I know. I know. I, no, we're talking about representation in film and television. I know. I know. Because it, it made me want to ask you, like, have you had to, like, fix your hair on certain shows because people have messed it up? Or ha- what's your been experience been? I actually did have an experience where they, the top hair got burned off because they had an iron on. So I had to wear a fake bang clip no. for, like, a year. It was oh, terrifying. No. And I, but I honestly felt bad for the guy because – it was an honest mistake, even though that's his job. Um, he left it on too long, and I was sitting in the chair, and all of a sudden, chunks of my hair fell, and I looked up, and I literally said a prayer. I said, God, give me the grace not to f- snap right now. Oh, it didn't no. hurt. He didn't actually burn. He just burned my hair off. <laughs> oh, but it no. was So that was terrifying. What kind of iron was he using? You know, one of those ones that like kind of like a little oh, yeah, oven? Yeah, yeah. Like a press kind iron. Of? Yeah. Yeah. Like a good old I don't know what iron. you're talking about, and it sounds medieval. Those get hot. You got you to <laughs> know. Those get hot. And I don't even know yeah. if they maybe use them anymore. But that happened. It was very – I felt bad because – and I didn't want him to get fired. So I didn't say anything right away, and they we figured out how to clip something on. It all ended up being fine. But I'm very, very cautious now when there's an iron coming close. But yeah. to answer your question, because I went on a tangent there – If I'm going out for a role and it is like a more ethnic background, a lot of times my team and I'll talk and it's better for me for them to see me with my hair curly. Because sometimes if it's straight, they're like, they think I'm more white or more Puerto Rican looking. So it's, it's wild sometimes. And literally having my hair curly has gotten me jobs over straight for that like ethnic look. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And I know the struggle. Yeah. Okay. Machen, you were you're from right outside of Reno. Yeah, I was born in a Reno hospital, but I'm technically from Sparks, Nevada. Sparks, okay. Mm-hmm. And when did you know you wanted to leave there and go to Hollywood? Mm, six. <laughs> when you were six years old? <laughs> no. Um, well, I knew that. Well, my dad was um, 
a traveling musician, so I grew up with music around me. Right. So I was like, as soon as I could get my arms wrapped around an upright bass, he had me playing bass, piano, violin. So I had the like artist bug blood, you know, gene in me anyway. And then I started dancing. I got really big into dancing. Mm -hmm. And I thought I wanted to be a prima ballerina. I thought that that was going to be my calling. And then I went to New York because I had a stepsister who was a ballerina. And I saw how hard and rigorous and that there was an actual body type and I wasn't fitting the body type. And I just was like, mm, I don't know. And then I got into um, just high school theater and fell in love and felt like I was being transported when I was on stage. And I was like, oh, I think this is what I want to do. So I like mastered this plan of that was going to get me out of Reno. <laughs> I was looking for an <laughs> escape plan and that was it. Well, it seemed to work out perfectly. It did. So I left home at 16. 16. 16. And I okay. was a, like, I was a 30-year-old 16. So I was very mature and had a plan and went to my parents with a very thought-out plan and bargained with them. I said, if I can't if I can't provide for myself financially within a year, I'll come back home and figure something else out. Right. So, And they were like supportive and great? Yeah, they were actually. Surprising. But, you know, like when our kids were at that age, I went to them at 14 and said, I'm leaving home at 16 and this is what I'm going to do. I've already talked to elite models and this agent and that right. agent. But like them at 14, when they were 14, I was like, if they came to me, I would be like, oh, hell no. No. <laughs> she was 14 when you came on Gossip Girl. So yes, at that age, yeah. when you were showing me pictures, I mean, yes, if she came to you and said, mom, I'm going to LA to be an actor, I, no. really, what would you have said? No. No. Well, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always wanted to get into the arts, like both of my parents being artists. I loved music. I loved singing. I loved acting. And so I knew I wanted to do that. And they were very much, even from like when I would visit set as a toddler and like right. agents would come up to it, you know, the little mixed kids that have like the nice hair and With the, that hair. the background. <laughs> they're like, do you, do you want to get into this? And my parents would come out of the shadows and no. be like, oh, do not talk to them. Absolutely not. <laughs> so <laughs> so we were not allowed to get into any of that kind of stuff until we graduated and, and it was like sure that we wanted to do it. So that was right. That was that. And that makes sense too. I mean, I think of as, as an actor, the more just life experience you get and the more you find yourself, I think you're just going to be a better actor, first of all. And I just, growing up in the business, I just saw so many young actors. They just, they, it's just, it's not healthy for anyone at any age, to be honest, just kind of what you have to go through, the rejection, the microscope on your looks or you remind someone of an ex-girlfriend and you don't get, it's like this constant, like you're constantly True. on trial and being examined. And it just is, I just don't, although there, we do need young, talented actors out there. So I know that there's <laughs> a, I know there's a need and a want, but I just, I always felt like, at least for our kids, like don't get in it just for the sake, because we're artists, like get in it because you really love it. Cause it's going to be hard. Yeah. Cause you love it and you want to challenge yourself and tell stories yeah. and grow and, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about your career. And then I want to also know you being her daughter and going on these crazy sets with some of the best people in the business, whether you want to talk about Twin Peaks or Gilmore Girls, California Cation, you know, Star Trek, Baywatch, ER. I mean, these are yeah. go, go down in history as some of the most watched, most known shows or franchises. Yeah. How was that for you? And what were some of your memories, Mina? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I was just lucky enough. I ended up getting Twin Peaks within like a year and a half of going to to Hollywood. I immediately like- It's incredible. I did a little like tiny part on this, <laughs> this funny little horror movie that was really terrible, but ended up having this cult following. It's called um, The Borrower. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a fun one for somebody to go find. Um, but then I ended up getting the Baywatch pilot. And Star Trek, The Next Generation, like all at the same time. And um, that's so impressive. So impressive. Well, so I did. I had this like interesting little role on Baywatch. And of course, I'm like young and like so dedicated to the craft, right? Like you right. go in with all of these like, yes. And um, 
<laughs> you know, at the beginning, like the Baywatch pilot was really kind of more of like a sci- psychological thriller and it eventually went into just beautiful people running around in bathing suits. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But my character was like a fatal attraction kind of character and, mm. you know, lifeguard saves me. I try to end my life jumping from a pier. And then of course I get fixated on him and want to kill his wife. And it was this whole thing. <laughs> the Baywatch we know oh and love. Oh my God. Yeah. The Baywatch you never knew existed. <laughs> it also sounds like an episode of Gossip Girl. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I was in the middle of filming that and I went in and auditioned for David Lynch. Mm-hmm. Joanna Ray, his longtime casting director, kept bringing me in for different things. And she was really kind of like you know, rooting for me and bringing me in. And she only brings a certain amount of people to David because she kind of knows what he's going to respond to. So I went in and, you know, and I auditioned. And then basically David, like in the room was like, you know, you want to do a a TV show with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I ended up getting cast in Twin Peaks while I was doing Baywatch. So then Baywatch asked me to continue on as a series regular, even though I was only doing this guest part on the pilot. And they were like, you know, we just really... You're just a gangster. Like, that's so great. (laughs) Yeah. No, but they were like, you know, we'd really like to just fold you into the show. And I was like, my character got taken off to a a psychiatric hospital at the end of the pilot. What, she turns herself around and comes back and becomes a a lifeguard in a bathing suit? That makes no sense to me. So I would watch that show. (laughs) I would too. Oh, man. So anyway, I ended up doing Twin Peaks. And then from there, I mean, that was like, I'm sure it was similar to probably what you experienced on Gossip Girl, but it blew up. Just the way people responded to it? Yeah. We were a show that the network hated. They thought it was weird, bizarre. They couldn't control David Lynch. And they were like, oh my God, this is just, And it was a two-hour pilot, which doesn't happen very often anymore. Definitely not anymore. And so they buried us behind like the premiere of Cheers or something. They're like, let's just burn it off. Let's just get rid of it. And within the first, you know, and this is before social media or any way to like gauge anything, but our viewing numbers went up from like the first hour into the second hour. And, you know, nowadays when you talk about a successful show, you know, you'll be successful at like 6 million viewers. Right. Two threes average, six millions a hit. Twin Peaks was 60 million. I mean, That's it was insane. Wild. Yeah. So it was like what they were saying was that people were calling each other up. Well, also crazy because like you're saying at a time where there isn't social media, yeah. it's not like someone like put it on blast, like, hey guys, tune yeah. in right now. Like this was good old fashioned. People called each other each other up on a phone and said, Are you watching this insanity? <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you were explaining it like weird, they can't control David Lynch, I was thinking that's probably all true. He had a vision and you know what? It worked. That's the thing that's beautiful about him is he sort of says he doesn't always understand what he creates and he accepts it and it flows through him. So it's like, this isn't someone who's going to conform to, you know, Hollywood and Uh what they want him to be. So we hit and it sort of like begrudgingly to the network itself. Of course, I think that made them even more angry. Like, they really couldn't. They're like, we have no choice but to keep it on because the numbers are crazy. (laughs) Even though we don't want to. We don't want it. And like, you know, at that point, they're just like upset that they were like, this wasn't going to work and now it's working. Like, And even more so than anyone anticipated. Yeah. That's incredible. So anyway, it then that set me off on an interesting career and making interesting choices and seeing Hollywood done a different way. And because you got to work with someone that thought outside the box. And he also, I felt like he really kind of plays with the actors. Like when he would play music for two minutes before he'd say action, I remember looking at you and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And he'd be like, let's just listen to the music. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's just vibe but out. But it was the craziest and scariest and it was challenging, but it, would, it was also, it was a moment as an artist that I'll never forget how I felt inside. Yeah. Yeah. He taps into like, he taps in in really deep level. And and that's what I yeah. learned on the show is pretty quickly I learned you just trust him. You don't understand it. You just have to trust. And it's kind of a really cool, beautiful thing. You just let go. Perfectly said, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Okay. So she did Twin Peaks, Gossip Girl, like legendary shows. Mina, does that like, when you hear that, or obviously I'm sure you've been asked about it, but... How does that make you feel? 
I think so growing up having Twin Peaks going on like before I was born, I knew right. about it and I always heard about it and a lot of people would always come up to her or like she would be on sets and people would be like, oh, I, I love you so much from Twin Peaks. And so that kind of being the background, I didn't quite understand it. I just heard it a lot. And then right. in like late high school, my brother and I finally sat down. We're like, okay, we got to watch this thing. <laughs> it's been yeah. 16, 17 years of hearing about it. So we watched it. And then we got to understand it on a deeper level. But I think I think Gossip Girl for me really was the closest to understanding it because I was finally of an age where like that exact show was hitting my demographic. Like everybody in my high school watched it. And I had read the books and everything. So it was like I was in it. I was in it to win it. You were in it to win it, girl. It was literally the first time she paid attention to what I did. <laughs> yeah, that, so I think it really was like Gossip Girl was like the first thing where I was like, wow, that's so cool. She's in Gossip Girl. But I, I obviously knew and respected her work and always loved watching her stuff and always was so proud of like seeing her on screen and how talented she was. But that was like the first cool thing to me. <laughs> okay, so with that, how did it come up? Did your agent call you? Did you call Mina right away? Was she with you? I have this weird thing that I seem to juggle about three projects at the same time. I don't know. There's this weird little trifecta thing that happens. <laughs> and, That's great. Well, yeah. So I was doing, um, I was guesting for Californication at the time. And there was one other thing I was doing. I forget what it was. Anyway, I don't remember. So the offer came in and then my reps were like, so here's the thing. Offer came in, but it's being filmed on the opposite coast. And... I have no idea how you would juggle this. Like, how would you be able to go back and forth and get both productions to agree in this and that? But they all- You're like, let me show you. Yeah. They all know me <laughs> and they know not to turn something down because they're like, she'll probably figure it out. So I was literally filming on like Californication, would film into the night, would get on a red eye, would fly. My, I think my first wow. day onset of Gossip Girl, I had like no sleep, red eye, went straight into the wardrobe trailer. He threw clothes on me. I'm like, sure. <laughs> and then and then ended up going and filming that day. Like it was a crazy time, but it was, I mean, it was fun and I wanted to be a part of both shows. But when that came in and I was contemplating, I was kind of like vacillating. Like, I don't know, should I? Like, and when, you know, I run everything by my kids and husband and Mina was like, you're doing it. You're yeah. going to figure <laughs> it out. So it's, it's all her fault. Yeah. I'll give a little background. Yeah. So, <laughs> so at this time, I was absolutely in love with Chase Crawford. And so when this came across mm. my desk, I was like, mother, you need to take this role. And <laughs> she took it, which I was very excited about. And I was like, okay, so let me know when I'm going to be on set and let me know when you're doing a scene with, with Chase. And so she brought me and then... All they were doing was making out and making love. And I, I could not believe how quickly it backfired on me. I was like, damn it, Mina, why didn't you think about this? Read the script. <laughs> oh so I've learned. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Aww, that is hilarious. And Chase, just how wonderful is he? I know. Sweet human. Talk about another good human. He really is. Sweetheart. Just super sweet, down to earth. He has that Southern charm. Yeah. But I'm sure you guys felt the same way when you met him, right? Absolutely. I couldn't talk. <laughs> yeah, Mina had a hard time talking. We couldn't hold the conversation at this time. I was 14. I had a little mustache. I was not, could not hold my own, but he was very beautiful. So that's what I remember. <laughs> <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do 
find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I just watched, obviously, because we're doing a rewatch today, watched the episode, Summer Kind of Wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's the first episode of season two. We're going to get to that, but first I want to just quickly, let's recap season one. Serena returns to New York's Upper East Side and begins a relationship with Dan. There's a love triangle between Blair, Nate, and Serena. There's a love triangle between Nate, Blair, and Chuck. Serena's younger brother is released from rehab. It also is revealed that he's gay. Jenny, Dan's younger sister, struggles to be accepted by Blair and her friends. Dan's best friend, Vanessa, suddenly turns up and causes some struggles in his relationship between him and Serena. Dan and Serena have troubles with some of Serena's past. That's a lot in season one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Mina, the show, people responded well. Like it was at this point, people really knew what was up with Gossip Girl, right? Yeah. I, I mean, again, I was like the target demographic. So it was like, and we, we'd we all read the book as in that age group. So we were definitely following around. But I think I think it had definitely hit by then from what I remember. Yeah. I do feel like season one, it definitely at that point, people were like ready and excited for season two. And then here is the... <laughs> <laughs> the description of this episode, which, by the way, if you guys don't know this by now, um, Summer Kind of Wonderful is the name of the episode. What they did on Gossip Girls, they took movie names or titles and put them into our titles for each episode. So this is off of a movie called Some Kind of Wonderful that was directed by Howard Deutsch, which shout out to Zoe, my girl. That's her dad and her mom, Leah Thompson, was in it and Eric Stoltz and Craig Sheffer, Mary Stuart Masterson. And it's like a classic 80s movie. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, little just fun fact there. So as the summer draws to a close in the Hamptons, Serena and Nate have everyone fooled into thinking they are a couple to cover up the fact that Nate is having an affair with an older woman. 
Blair returns from abroad with a Hawkeye on her arm, making a very jealous Chuck question his decision to stop pursuing Blair. Meanwhile, Dan has spent the summer assisting a famous author, but finds himself preoccupied with Serena, leading him to take a risk. While interning for Eleanor Waldorf's company, Jenny procures an invite to the much-anticipated Hamptons white party with the help of Eric Vanderwoodson. So that's what we're going into. When the music hits and it's um, buzzing by Swayze, you're like, okay, and you see all these like big houses and the sand and all this stuff. Then you see a hot girl and Nate Archibald in a car getting all steamy and sexy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, I didn't, I don't remember Serena and him getting together in the Hamptons. I'm literally know that I'm rewatching and you're coming on this. <laughs> you're like, who is and this? And I know. And I'm still thinking it's Serena. Oh, I am so inspired to get my tan back after watching that. Everybody in Gossip Girl had great, they were sporting great tans. Oh my God. Well, you looked incredible. Thank you. We then find out that it's the woman that Nate's having the affair with, Mm -hmm. with Catherine. You guys met moments before that and Mm -hmm. just had to literally pretend like you're making love. Because I didn't have time to, like, I didn't have time because I was on Californication in LA to come and rehearse or get, you know, hair, makeup, wardrobe, whatever. It was just sort of like land, get clothed, and go to set. So it was like, hi, good to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll share a secret with you, but just don't tell anybody, okay? Okay. (laughs) It's between (laughs) It's just between us. And the listeners. (laughs) That's it. Um, No, but we, our first scene was that opening scene, you know, the scene is I'm in his lap, in a car, we're making out, you know, we have some lines and um, it was just literally like, hey, nice to meet you. Okay. So anyway, Machen, get in his lap. And uh, he had a hard time remembering his lines. I mean, I I understand that. This beautiful (laughs) hot woman comes in. We're having this intense, steamy scene. So I literally, in between kisses, would have to whisper his lines in his ear. (laughs) Amazing. But don't tell him I told you. I don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> in scenes like that, I always say when when it looks like really good and very real and all the things, it's usually the ones that are the most technical or the most hard to make look that good because your like leg was bent backwards and your yeah, hips like yeah. weird, but you don't see it in the in the shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. But usually like what I try to do in those scenes is it's usually very like awkward and yeah, everybody's a little nervous and whatever. So I always try to just disarm whoever I'm with. So I just try to make it like, okay, I know this is like crazy, but we're going to have fun. You know what I mean? So I think that's why I think I was laying it on heavy for Chase so that we it wouldn't feel weird and awkward and stiff, which then made him forget his lines. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> and so were you watching me on the side like in Video Village? Yeah, I'm I am uh, traumatized and definitely still in therapy, but no, it was uh, no for I we I came on a different day. I wasn't there for the car specifically. Okay. You know what it was? Right. It was that um it's some other party but it's back in the city and yeah, Blair's okay. like talking shit about people and then and then she all of a sudden realizes, "Oh, you're a Duchess Catherine or something like that." You were definitely there for that because there's paparazzi pictures of Mina and Sylvester as we were like walking down the the street. Yes. They looked like they were my yeah, bodyguards. Yeah. It was great. Aw. The best looking bodyguards you could ask for. Heck yeah. Yeah. She made <laughs> us put sunglasses on. Yeah. It was not a personal choice. You were like, I don't want them to like get your face and everything. So put these big glasses on. And so I was still protecting them as children. Yeah. So I, I then I feel like looking back, I looked like I was taking myself way too seriously, but it was, <laughs> it was mother enforced. It was. It was. And let me ask you this had you been on a set where, it was like that, like because I had not. You know what? You know what happened? We were filming in Manhattan, and I think it might have been that scene or whatever it was. But I was in my trailer, you know, on a New York street, and trailer door gets flung open. Paparazzi hop in and just start taking pictures of me in my trailer, which is probably like, very illegal and not okay. It's not okay. It's not <laughs> okay. So I started having to lock my door after that. I was just like, "What is happening?" That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because like, what if you were like changing or something? Exactly. That's That's probably what they were trying to do. Yeah. Whoa. For sure. For sure. So then I was like, (laughs) I was telling, you know, the ADs, I was like, hey, this just happened. You guys got to watch the trailers better. Like, this is not okay. So from that point forward, I actually, I think I might have always done this, but I always have a key to my trailer and I lock it when I leave. Because then I started 
you know, just in general, like, you know, you get you get stalkers and you never know if somebody's yeah, going to Yeah, or someone them. weird going in and putting a camera yeah. in to see what you're doing when you're by yourself. Or like, yeah, weird stuff happens and people get very, like, enamored and mm-hmm. obsessive and stuff. So, yeah. But can you imagine you guys sitting in your room yeah. at work or your office and someone just coming through the door and having a camera in your face? That's, like, very terrifying. Yeah. It yeah, was, it's wild. And I wonder, do you think, like, because it was filming in New York and not on a lot, that that was more much more prevalent? Because it, it almost – because I remember – I don't think I had been on a set of yours that was like that. It felt especially bottlenecked because it was in the city and mm-hmm. you were walking on the sidewalks and people could just be right there. So it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. It was insane. The, so the episode opens. You're hooking up with Chase. You're having an affair. Yeah. Chuck is waiting for Blair. Let's talk about that. Like, more that I go back and rewatch because I had not seen a lot of it. Yeah. I'm, like, so in love with those two. Now I get why the whole world's like, oh, my God, Blair Chuck and, and Blair Chuck. this and Chuck and yeah. Blair that. No, they, they're so good at throwing daggers at each other. That's why it was so fun to see their relationship. Oh, my God, for sure. Yeah. You know, and then when she does the thing with the yeah. little charm. Like I she know. puts it on James's sweater yeah. just to like hurt his feelings. And then she goes and goes, Oh, my charm must have fallen on your sleeve. And you knew, like, ooh, she did. Well, it on she'll purpose. do some manipulated stuff, like yeah. manipulate yeah. things like that, but then you still like root for yeah. her. Like yeah. Leighton played that very well. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was funny, like looking back now and seeing how good she was at that. And I was also watching the episode, like, why are they all in the same house? Like that would be, I just couldn't like going back into the high school. I was like, I can't imagine going to a summer house with, with what's going on and like just being casual, having drinks right. by the pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it cuts to after you're in the car, Serena and Blair looking so cute at the pool with their little drinks yeah. and talking about like the summer. It's actually a funny quote that Blair says to Serena. She's like, are you crazy? A hot lifeguard is like a Kleenex. Use once and throw it away. (laughs) Just some of the lines she had. I know. So great. But I had not ever seen this episode till now. Oh. It's just so like flashy and... It was a fun one. It was definitely a good season opener. For me, all of my memories, like I didn't know, you know, I remember the arc of the character, but I didn't know that... I remembered the things that happened in in that episode, but I just thought that they happened over a few episodes. And I was like, oh... So right. It, well, how about you have Nate come to your house, which is very risky. Yeah. <laughs> and you your know. husband comes home. Yeah. And just throws him out casually. You have got two choices, under the bed yep. or out the window. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so funny. Nate, what are you going to do? Then he's running and he literally gets hit by a car, basically, that Serena's in. Yeah. Serena's not an idiot. She then sees you, so she's putting this together. What were your feelings when you – it's so far from reading it, but even rewatching it, like – What's good about this show is that they had so many good layers that they, you know, weave together. And I don't know how much they had planned. Like, are they writing just off the cuff episode to episode? Do they have the whole season planned out? I don't know. But it was a really good slow burn. And it was revealed little by little. Like, first it's just, oh, an older woman that he's having an affair with. And then it's, oh, wait a minute. She's somehow intertwined with someone else. And then all of a sudden the big bomb was... She's a duchess. Right. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Only on Gossip Girl. I know. They were very good at, like, dropping things and keeping us all still in shock. So let's talk about the white party. How was filming that? I mean, I I think they handled it really well, but it was one of those, when I watched it, actually, that was one of the things I was remembering was, just depending on where they were shooting, there was just so many things happening at the white party. It just depended on is this your section or not? Do you go and wait for hours until it's your section or whatever? Are you going to be seen in the background? It was definitely an all-day thing. But, you know, the the few things that, you know, I did in the white party were really fun. I especially like that one where I'm like, why are you here? Why are you still here? You need to leave. When you say that to Nate? I know. Yeah. That was so funny. You kept, like, passing by, dropping these <laughs> yeah. little bombs, like, get what? the hell out of here. Are you trying to ruin my, my marriage? <laughs> she literally would be walking by and just drop a line and keep walking. It was actually yeah. very funny. I was like, was you're good. not being subtle. And you did this. You're a grown woman. I know. But, you know. <laughs> but still. <laughs> yeah. She's still in control. And then, you know, they make her jealous, of course, right? So, Serena, they kiss. So then, next you see is that she's pulling him aside in a back room and she's like, what are you, why are you here? And this and that, you know, you did it. And and then uh, he says, is it working? It absolutely is. And then, <laughs> then he disappears. It was like, it's fun little stuff that we did while we were there, even though it was For a long, sure. long day of waiting. 
And everybody looked gorgeous. Everyone looked so gorgeous. Eric Damon, the costume designer, actually had a really crazy story. They found out the morning of from the DP that everything couldn't be so bright white because it would be like washed out. and Had to be teched down. Yeah. So Eric was, he had this like amazing menswear look with a vest and a pant for Serena. And he was trying to tone it down and ended up shrinking. I think it was the vest. It might've been the pants. It was one of the two where the outfit that they had planned was not going to work on the morning of the white party. So he like was scrambling and obviously he's a genius and amazing and had that white dress and figured it out. And that became such an iconic look of Serena Vanderwitzen at the white party in the Hamptons, Wow, which is crazy because you know how stressful that would be on the day. You're you're like losing your mind. Hair, makeup, wardrobe on your show was insane. It still looks amazing this this many years later. Oh my God. I know. I was looking at Blake's like updo, your updo. I mean, it was beautiful. Both of the dresses, it was insane. I knew people liked it in every aspect and part of the puzzle we had was great. You know, whether it was the hair and makeup or, you know, the DPs and the directors and the locations, we, we were on point with every part, yep. but now rewatching it, I'm like, oh, and it still holds like the music still gives you a vibe and the, yeah. you know, and all the chemistry, like even, even like Blair with James in this episode, as much as she's like using him and doing all this, when it turns and you find out who he is, that was a shocker mm-hmm. and another bomb that was dropped. Well, and they had quite the twist for the Duchess and the, what was he, a lord? No. Yeah, he's a lord. But like, spoiler alert, they hook up. The Duchess <laughs> and the, like the stepmom <laughs> and the son are like caught in the library hooking up. Like, Duchess was, she was on fire. <laughs> Duchess was crazy. on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to be honest, though, like... You, you play a lot of those characters. So I don't know why I was surprised because like so many times you'll come on a show as a guest and you've done so many shows and it's always some wild like femme fatale making crazy mm-hmm. decisions. Do you choose those specifically? Is that why I keep, is this why I keep no, talking I to me? No, I think it could, like it's either, so when I was like first doing Twin Peaks, I was a victim, right? So I was this like innocent, doe- doe-eyed victim kind of girl. Yeah. And then when I got an opportunity to play Lena in Dream Lover with James Spader, that was the thing that really turned my career on like a different path. Even though it wasn't like a hugely successful movie, it was kind of a big indie kind of thing. Yeah. I just all of a sudden became femme fatale after that. And I was like, you know what? I guess if I have to be like you know, stereotyped. It's better to be the complicated, interesting woman with strength. And more fun to play. And more fun to play than some kind of victim-y thing. So I think it was still echoing from that. But I also don't have much interest in playing women that are very one-dimensional or just a supportive character or just there because you're hot or cute. So I'm more attracted to something that's more complicated. And unfortunately, complicated women is usually some kind of femme fatale. Like there's so many <laughs> other colors we, we could bring. Right. But it's the good juicy one, so. <laughs> well, you do a great job and it was so good. And at the end, when you hand Nate the napkin, it made it reminded me of like true romance when uh-huh. you're so cool on the napkin when you tell him to meet you at the Mercer Hotel on Friday night, which is also like a place that we frequented very often during yeah. filming. Yeah. And it also just kept you kind of at the edge of your seat, like, oh, she's she's sticking around for a minute. Like, what's going to go down now? And again, even when these things come up, we were still like, would have never expected what it was. No, but that's a, it's a big thing for showrunners and writers and producers. It's like, what do you do for your big splat? Because, you know, it had hit at that point. Mm-hmm. So now you're coming out with your second season. What are you going to do? What's your first thing that is going to grab everybody's attention and live up to the hype? And you know what was fun is they made posters. We were laying in bed together, Chase and I, for that one scene. Yeah, they made like, they were very good about their marketing. Oh, it was so smart. one big poster of us laying in bed. And I was like, oh my God, look at me. I'm a poster from Gossip Girl. (laughs) You got a billboard. (laughs) They would take some quotes from like, worst show ever or crazy things. And they took the quotes and put it on really sexy billboards. They like played it back on everybody, which was super smart, whoever did that. (laughs) (laughs) They taking the explicit label of, you know, rap albums in the in the eighties and nineties. It's like it became a badge of honor if you got your explicit right (laughs) rating. (laughs) 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave. And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do you guys feel about the relationship with Eric and and Jenny? I feel like Eric's always just being so helpful and so sweet. Yeah. And he, like, brings Jenny after she, like, totally kind of shoved him and, like, used him. Used him to get to the party. Yeah, and it was funny because back from the 14-year-old mind, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And now re-watching it, I was like, what is he doing? I would absolutely not. Uh, he was being way yeah. too nice for me in my my adult brain watching it now. I was like, no, you need to separate and you set boundaries, Eric. But it, he he's very, he's much nicer than me. She's going down that path where it's like, don't go down that path. Don't become vindictive or manipulative. But she's trying to like, she's trying to get noticed and she's trying to like fight for her own. She really is. Yeah. But it's kind of funny to me because I watched this scene back at the white party where like she has every opportunity to kind of be 
like throw it right back at Laurel and then she doesn't take it. So I'm like, is she learning from Eric to be like the nice, sweet person, even when people are coming at you sideways? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that thing when like girls are mean to you in high school and your mom's like, kill them with kindness. And you're like, yeah, but they're so mean. (laughs) And you still are like, I'm going to listen to my mom and I'm going to kill them with kindness. You know what I mean? But she's at that moment that we've all been through as young women. Like you have the, the that defining moment about that age where you're like, do I go down the mean girl path? Because it seems to really be effective. <laughs> or do I stay on the sort of nicer, kinder, and um, you know, communal kind of thing? So it's fun to see her have to go through that. Yeah. You like love that she decides not to take the internship with Tinsley. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, you kind of don't expect that. Like, especially because it's Gossip Girl, I thought for sure she would have done that to kind of like get back at Laurel a little bit because Laurel needs to chill. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we get it. You're here. You're doing this. But like, you're done in a minute anyway. So don't be mean to Jenny, okay? (laughs) Don't don't be mean to Jenny. (laughs) Agreed. If there were hashtags back then, wait, were there there hashtags back then? I don't think so. Have we gotten into that world yet? No, I don't think there were hashtags because there wasn't even really social media. And I didn't, I remember having to have, and I'm pretty sure it was Nikki Hilton, explain to me, I'm like, I just don't understand what it is. She's like, it's like a afterthought. It's like hashtag and an afterthought. I'm like, couldn't have explained it better. After she said that, I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes more sense than what I've even understood up until today. Right. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Nikki Hilton. Thank you, Nikki Hilton. <laughs> but I do not think at this time when we were filming, there wasn't. Not a hashtag for what it's used for now. I know. What 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 was going on at that time? Was it Twitter? Was Twitter beginning? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. I feel like Twitter happened while we were on the show because I remember thinking, why yeah. would people want to tell people what they're doing? Why would people want to know that Ashton Kutcher's at a grocery store? Right. Or what you're eating for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I do remember Twitter coming out, but Snapchat, yeah. obviously TikTok, none of that was out. That was all starting when I did this show, Witches of East End, up here. And that was like only 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder what it would have been like to like live tweet when Gossip Girl was airing. Like what would that have been like? I don't know if people would have responded the way they did if there was social media. Because the interesting thing, it it was a show about a blogger when there weren't really blogs. So it was almost like new territory that was kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the fact that there wasn't all of this other stuff going on with Instagram and Twitter when Gossip Girl was airing, it was kind of like the Kristen Bell voice was the singular social media voice, and it was like controlled in that way, which made it so special. Wait, 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 wait. Kristen Bell? What do you mean? She's the voice. No. (laughs) I cannot. I didn't know that. It's Kristen Bell saying hello, Upper East Side. Yeah, I remember. The voice was very <laughs> mysterious. And I thought, I thought yes. you guys never revealed it. And I was like, wow. Well, you went to the grave without, well, not up to the grave, but. It doesn't say it's her. She does the voiceover. Right. And then do you know who Gossip Girl and is? Nope. Uh, <laughs> Mina, do you want to tell her? <laughs> or do we leave so, you hanging? Do we make you watch? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Should I? Do you plan on watching it? Well, who do you think it would be? Um, well, I see, I try to figure it out the whole time. This is great right now. <laughs> Let's give some hints. Okay. So who do you think is like the voyeur, like spends a lot of time in libraries, both present day and in the past? Correct. These are some hints. Both. Pr- Bit of a watcher. Um, he's hooked up with Serena. So is a boy. Oh, it is. See, well, I was wondering if it was going to be a good twist like that. Damn it, Jess. <laughs> Was it, is it Penn? It is. <gasps> yes. Yeah. That. See, you know yeah. what? You know what? That makes total sense now. But the voice threw me. The voice threw right. me. Right. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's the point. To. Do you know what's funny? In Josh and Stephanie's episode, they talked about back in the day when they would like test shows where they would like show it and the audience would have like the little dial. Yeah. Every time that the Gossip Girl voice would come on, the dial would go down. Because people were like, who is this voice? And what did, you know? Mm-hmm. But then Stephanie kind of explained it. And she's like, well, think about it. You're watching the show. And then all of a sudden this voice, you don't know who she is, where she's coming from, starts telling you stuff. Mm-hmm. But it kept going down. And they still were like, nope, we got to keep the voice. Doesn't matter if it tested well or not. And I I mean, obviously agree because she set the tone of the show. Yeah. Kristen Bell. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm so Kristen excited. Bell. I thought you guys didn't ever read. Okay. It's good. This is great. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) 
you'll look at it completely different now when you go back. Totally. But it makes complete sense now. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, Mina, had we allowed you and your brother to have phones by that point? We were like holdouts for a very long time. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I got it in high school, probably like sophomore year, maybe. So it was around this time. I and we had a little flip phone and T nine. Any of the youngins don't even know what oh, that I means. Yeah. But it would flip phone. <laughs> you had to go through the A, B, C on every button. Yeah. yeah. Like the three clicks. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was so good at that. We as parents were we were holdouts. We were just like, I don't care if your eight-year-old friends have a phone. I no, you don't. Well, what is it now? Eight weeks? Are you eight weeks and get a phone? Yeah, like I mean, now an eight-year-olds have phones, right? Yeah, but I don't. I don't think they should. Yeah, no, like like first grade, second grade. I would still be a holdout. It's too much. I would still be a holdout. I do wonder how I got to and from places, though. I don't even know. Like I don't know how I told you where I was. Just the way I got to and from places. <laughs> <laughs> what did we do? We just like sent an owl. You sent an owl, and then a wagon showed up. Amazing. <laughs> It's insane. Like when you gave directions, you'd have to be like, turn right on the third street next to the blue mailbox. (laughs) There's a red door. And you just like literally had it written down on a piece of paper and had to do it. It's great. It forces to have more memory. Like you had to remember people's phone numbers, which I still remember a lot of phone numbers. I still remember my addresses from when I was little. Because we had to. We didn't have an option. Yeah. Now you just are like, hey, Siri, get me to the Staples Center. Yeah. That's why I got lost, though, because I, I didn't remember. I, I would walk around San Francisco trying to get home, and I would end up, like, on the bridge towards Oakland. I was like, what? I really need a solution. Nina has a directional problem. <laughs> she, like, we're always, like, when she heads out on her own, we're like, oh, we don't know if she's going to get there. <laughs> long walks. Very long walks. <laughs> no kidding. Like, seriously, she was gone for hours in San Francisco. Aww. And she, she was walking she the hills. Way. Yeah. I needed a phone. But anyway. (laughs) Okay, so let's wrap up the episode. Dan and Serena, these two are on this like roller coaster through the first season. They're together. They're not together. They're back together. They're this, they're that. Dan's always supposed to be like out of place at these Upper East Side parties, but he always looks like really good. Like at this white party, I'm like, you look great. You actually look like you're throwing it and like had that suit for like a long time, even, even though it was... From the 70s, Serena's grandpa, and as she's sitting there washing the stains out, and he is telling her that, I haven't been able to get you out of my head all summer. And when he says, I missed your laugh, it is like pulling at your heart on a level. Yes. I'm like, kiss him now. Get back with them, Serena. He said he missed your laugh. That's all that matters. Yeah. Right? Done. Done. Put a oh, fork yeah. in it. And I, I loved I loved that whole scene before where they threw the drinks at him because it was such an uh, equalizing moment between them. Because, like, I agreed with him that Serena did have so much drama. But then, you know, he was playing around Manhattan, came back to him, and now they're kind of, like, in the same place. So I thought it was such a cute moment. For sure. It's also, like, funny when he's like, I'm sure there's an excuse because every time he, like, finds her, she's always like, but I can <laughs> explain. And the funny thing is, she always really can. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's just ironic because he's like, I'm sure there is. It can't just be that you kissed Nate, Serena. Yeah. So then we move on to Blair goes up to James and he is starting to tell her, I don't go to Georgetown or Princeton. Do you think the next thing out of his mouth is a British accent and that he's a lord? <laughs> no, didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, I, I didn't literally see was like, coming. okay, he's going to say that he couldn't get into those schools and lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, but no, in Gossip Girl style, <laughs> he's a lord and actually has been hiding a British accent. Love it. It's great. Yeah, it's, it was just... So funny. I just didn't expect that. Mina, what did you think? I loved the accent slip. It was great. It was well done, well performed. Mm-hmm. I was all about it. Oh, so good. And then can we just talk about Chuck's suit with the lapel, like the black detail? So dope, so sick. It was like less is more, but yet it made such a statement. Can I say you were a costume designer, Eric? Oh my gosh. Like I've never, I've been on a lot of sets a lot of productions over the years. Now, granted, I was delirious from, you know, red-eye flight and no sleep, but I just got whirlwinded into the wardrobe trailer and it was, I just stood there. (laughs) He just, you just threw things at me and you're wearing this, that, this, that. It was like, is sort of like I walked into the Wonka factory. Like it was magic. <laughs> you had the golden ticket. You were I had the go. golden ticket. There were like these gorgeous designer clothes being thrown at me. 
I, up to that point, I was so used to like having so much say in what I wore. And he was just like, nope, wearing this, that, this. And I was like, oh, okay. And even if you wanted to chime in and say something, you really, like, I felt like I never had to with him. No, because it was brilliant. It feels good, looks right, yeah. is dope, like, let's go. Yeah. 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 That was hard for me to be like, shut my mouth because this is brilliant. <laughs> Don't have an opinion because it's great. Yeah. Well, and the chokehold he had on the late 2000s, like everybody's fashion was like, oh, I want to look like Blair from the white party. This is what I, yeah. there was even like quizzes in the magazines. Are you Serena? Are you Blair? Are, you know, are you Chuck? And it had all Catherine? the different, this is where you buy. Yeah. Are you <laughs> Catherine messing things up for people at a party? This is what you wear. <laughs> But yeah, it was like so. Even in my high schools, they saw people like, "Oh, I want to get the Blair headband." Like it was he ruled. Yeah. Um, speaking of Blair, I'm gonna move to the end of the episode. Blair and Chuck are standing outside. Chuck says he shouldn't have abandoned her, and he was scared if they spent the summer together, Chuck and Blair, that she would actually see him. Obviously, his walls would have been down, and she would have saw the vulnerability that Chuck has, and. Chuck's a bit of a softy. Mm. Underneath that really brutal exterior in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was just very simple the way he said it. You would see me. And Chuck asked her, please don't leave with him. And Blair says, why? Give me a reason. And I'm Chuck Bass doesn't count. And Chuck says, because you don't want to. Blair said, it's not good enough. Chuck says, because I don't want you to. And Blair, tearing up, says, that's not enough. Can you play the quote? What else is there? The true reason I should stay right where I am and not get in the car. Three words. Eight letters. Say it, and I'm yours. I... My God, you guys. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the iconic three words, eight letters. Say it and I'm yours. Yeah. Did you think he was going to say it? No. No. No, I didn't. I could tell. On the rewatch or originally? I think original. I, I think yeah. even then I was like, he's not going to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wants to, but he he's not. He can't. Yeah. And that line was so memorable that even like rewatching it, I, I remembered it. I was like, she's about to say the three words, say letters thing. I was like, oh no, Chuck, change it this <laughs> it's time. It's epic. Say it now. <laughs> say it. Go yeah. back, re refilm it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was just iconic and amazing. And I teared up. I I'm like so into those two together. Yeah. You know, it like sat with me for a minute. I'm like, why didn't he? But then again, I'm like, okay, it's season two. <laughs> We right. got a lot to go. You got to make it simmer. Then, and Mina and I were texting the other night. I'm like, is Gossip Girl kidding? She says, the end of summer is the beginning of a new season. So we find ourselves looking to the future. You ain't seen nothing yet. XOXO, Gossip Girl. Okay, first of all, is this girl kidding? We haven't seen anything yet. People have admitted to killing people, <laughs> went to rehab, got engaged, became an intern, several different people hooked up, Vanessa moved back, Blair lost her virginity, Carter Bazin comes back, stirs up the pot, Dan and Jenny's mom makes an appearance, Nate has an affair with a married woman, Blair's dating a lord, but yet we have not seen anything yet. What? Because it's in comparison <laughs> to what you're gonna see. I, that's it's true. a comparison, <laughs> you quote, see? Yeah. It's like... <laughs> True. Even even with your character, it's like, you thought that was bad. Wait till you see her son. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild. It's wild. Oh. Such a good show. It's so good and juicy, yes. but, but well-written, you know? It was like, it, there are a lot of good, you know, soap operas out there that I won't admit I watch. <laughs> but Cosmic <laughs> Girl was like, done so well. Like, it's such great writing. Everything, all the elements, the style, the fashion, the actors, the atmosphere. I mean, ugh, no wonder it was like a huge, amazing hit. And fun to be on. It's really fun to be on. And they were so good at any piece of the puzzle. Having you come on, like you brought this like flavor and spice and it was just very cool. Yeah. So I almost feel like we're going to have to come back and watch another episode because if we ain't seen yeah. nothing yet, Gossip Girl, like <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. We got to see the finale so you can actually watch who Gossip Girl is. Maybe we should do one where we're actually watching live. I'm watching it live so I get to learn all of this stuff. You're going to be shocked. I am still dying. 
that she didn't know who Gossip Girl was. I swear I thought everyone knew that, but apparently not. So I'm glad we could enlighten her. (laughs) What a pair those two. Aren't they just the cutest together? That is what is up as mom and daughter, you cuties. Okay, so be sure to check out their podcast, Don't Mind Me. It's all about navigating mental health issues without any shame or judgment. And I got to be a guest on one of their episodes recently, and it was such an eye-opener and such an important conversation for me. So go and listen. It's a great show. All right, well, that's it for today. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, XOXO. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.